and welcome to Rub Choice Screenings, episode 38. I'm your host, Am, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello, movies. And Destiny. Movies, 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 movies. <laughs> you want to yep. see movies, you gotta see stars. Is that what it is? Gotta see stars? Gotta get stars? Yes. I don't remember the lyrics. You, or something like that. Yeah. If you want movies, you gotta get stars. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 2021. We're talking about stars. No one knows what stars is. <laughs> what is it was like Showtime, a, a TV channel on yeah. cable, oh, a premium it, it, channel. It was Stars with a Z. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I know about Stars because I'm fairly sure they co-financed the fourth season of Torchwood. Okay. They also what had. You know? They also were briefly way back in the day on Netflix, and everyone was mad because the Stars movies always look like shit. Like the movies were bad, or they were like. Yeah, they were uh, like really low quality. They were just uh, okay. like they had to deal with stars where whatever movie stars had would be on Netflix streaming. Um, and they I had like a logo and everyone fucking hated them. Okay. Bad. <laughs> um, anyway. I... We're here doing movies. We did it. Podcast. Who's seen a fucking movies. movie? Jackson, have you seen a fucking movie? I've seen the movie Star Wars. Oh, right. You went on a Star Wars quest. I went on a bit of a Star Wars quest. Um because of the podcast um uh, a more civilized age which uh austin a walker and natalie watson and co have started rob zachney uh, and uh ali as well good podcast i assume everyone listening to hit to this knows about it but if you don't they're watching the clone wars um this led to me playing Jedi Fallen Order on Christmas Day just out of curiosity. That was bad. Whatever. Then that led to me uh, watching the movie Star Wars. Star Wars, 1977. Despecialized edition for the very, very first time. Um, uh, it, that, it's fucking sick is the thing. That's a really yeah, good movie. Uh, I watched the whole uh, original trilogy. I don't like the other two movies very much. Um, they're not as good. They're just not as good. It's, it's Star Wars. Fucking Star Wars. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, I yep. love... Uh, the, the opening is, like, surreal and weird, and, like, all of the droid stuff, all, you know, been talked to death about how the droids are slave, but I, I hadn't seen it... Like, when I last saw it, it would have been, like, 2015, I think, like, early 2015. So mm. I was not as developed to understand just how... Just how, like, concerned it is with the, like, material and cultural productions of how the droids or slaves work in the society, right? Like, the whole thing with the Jawas and they, like, steal droids and sell them to people because the people buying the droids don't want to know who owned them before. And, like, there's this whole shadow economy, which is how this whole thing, like, propagates. It's, like, it's the only part of the world building that's been, like, considered materially <laughs> is the uh, droid yeah. stuff. Which is very surreal and weird, uh, but the energy of the movie is good, you know, C-3PO is excellent. Um, the There's not very much character work, but it succeeds entirely on, like, the actors are very good, right? Like, um, and yet, somehow, still, this is the most Leia ever gets. Ah, she gets more in Last Jedi, but in, in these, these three movies, like, her uh, immediate downgrade to just the girl is profound in Empire. Uh, she never does any, like, leadership stuff in those movies, it's really bad. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's good. I like Star Wars a lot. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I've just kept going and, uh, Empire Strikes Back is a well-made bad movie and Return of the Jedi is slightly, well, quite less well-made, but I don't, I like some more of the constituents parts more. It's way goofier and stupider. Uh, but you know, 
every single Han Leia scene in Empire Strikes Back is nails on a chalkboard to me. It's the worst shit ever. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Those are the Star Wars takes. I will watch uh, Attack of the Clones later so I can listen to that episode, but I've got podcast to do this weekend, so, uh, you know. There we go. What's everyone else watched? Uh, I watched so in the Discord. Uh, Carrie uh, does organized group watch alongs, and uh, I don't I don't always show up for them because they're usually Sunday nights where I am at my most. I don't want to look at anyone. I don't want to think about doing anything. I just want to sit here in a depressed puddle. All the podcasts are done. It's time to chill. Um, but uh, Christmas uh, Eve, Christmas I think it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Uh, we did a watch along of It's a Wonderful Life, and I decided to show up because I'd never seen It's a Wonderful Life before. Um, just somehow totally missed me. It was one of those where I was like, I don't need to see this. I know what it's about. Um, and I was really surprised at how much outside of the like last 20 minutes, I didn't know what it was about. And also it's like a movie about how we should go and like stomp all bankers to death. Yes. <laughs> it's like really angry about capitalism in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, and then the angel stuff is like just the, the only like the pivot out of unreleasability that the movie has at the very end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Seven Elements um, of Wonderful Life is like you have to do that to make it in the 1940s. Yeah, uh, and that's just like I, like the story about like the actual thing that will get you through the hells of the world is like community building is is like in line with the rest of the movie actually and good. Um, you know, the, the people come and save him because uh, he has worked with them and helped them, right? Like mm-hmm. mutual aid works. It's a good thing. Um, and, but like the the first hour and a half of this movie is just Jimmy Stewart getting pissed on by the entire universe. Oh yeah. If I didn't know how it ended, I would have been really upset watching it. It was like a huge bummer. Um, in like a really good way. He's incredible in the movie. I really liked it. I just was really surprised. Um, I just didn't know it was like a that like that aware of things and like that angry and like willing to just be depressing for so long. It's really good. I, I highly recommend it. You can just find it on um, on Vimeo because it's in public domain. That's how I watch it. So it's a wonderful life. It goes there. Uh, no, because they don't actually go and stomp the shit out of the banker at the end of the movie, which they should. But <laughs> there's a Saturday Night Live sketch where they just the whole town lines up and beats him up. <laughs> Good. Fuck it's, that guy. It's from the 90s. On May 26, 1947, the FBI issued a memo stating, with regard to the picture, it's a wonderful life. Uh, the redacted stated in substance that the film represented rather obvious attempts to discredit bankers by casting Lionel Barrymore as a Scrooge type so he would be the most hated man in the picture. This is a common trick used by communists. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, weird. Weird that just weird, describing weird. things accurately is a <laughs> trick used by communists. Damn, who could have foreseen? That's hilarious. Also, it didn't work. That movie's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of those that like really surprised me. Because uh, sometimes sometimes even I'm like, uh, this movie is too known. I don't need to watch this. And uh, sometimes it goes bad. Like I didn't like Psycho at all, but I liked It's One for Life. Um, the yeah, I mean, like, I always think of Psycho, but then I can't think of a second one. Usually it's good to watch the things. Yeah, usually it's good. Yeah. Um, I like Psycho. I, I only dislike the end. You grew up Where they it, over-explain though. everything. Yeah, yeah, I guess I did. I didn't I, see I, it I until, like, three or four years ago, and I was like, hmm. Mm-mm. It was, like, six years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Time, look, time's, uh, the last decade's really compressed. <laughs> I saw it after you, and I saw it five years ago. Okay. And so, yeah. Woohoo! Time. Destiny, what do you watch? 
I watched, I think the last movie I watched was Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. We watched that on Christmas Day. Uh, seemingly yep. everyone in the universe fucking hates this movie, except for me. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. <laughs> I thought it was fine, too. I, I didn't, like, you know, it's a superhero movie, so I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. I had fun. Yeah. I, I do think, like, the weird scene where uh, Gal Gadot is saving a bunch of uh, children in the Middle East is laughably bad and shouldn't be in the movie. Uh <laughs> Um, you can't, you can't, you can't let her do that and put it on screen. No, I don't know what they were trying to say with that. Was it like a Wonder Woman's for everyone kind of thing? Or was it a, she's not bad. I don't know. Um, the rest of the movie, I think is like a fun send up of like, like, it's like the Christopher Reeve movies where it's, it's, it's corny deliberately because that's what superheroes used to be. It being a period piece, I think helps support that. I, th- I think it's all right. Uh, every, like Christian Wig and uh, what's the guy, uh, the Mandalorian guy? What's that guy's name? I never remember his name. I wasn't aware of him until two weeks ago. Pedro Pascal. I don't know his name. Uh, yeah, Pedro. What is it? Uh, Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Yes, he's great. Uh, Christian Wig's great. Uh, Gal Gadot is absolutely the weakest part of that movie. Chris Pine's great. He, they don't have anything for him to do, but he's great. He literally stands around and goes, "Well, I guess I'm going to die at the end of this movie again, right?" And uh, yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, he's the all the, the laugh out loud moments in that movie. Yeah. It's time to make Sorry? Star Trek Four. It's time to make Star Trek Four. Bring bring back Chris Pine Kirk. Now that he's slightly he's older. now he's now like he's like gray around the temples. Like he's old enough where he really would fit my vision of Kirk as like you know because Kirk to me is like movie Kirk right like he's just yes. old, he's an older like sadder guy who used to be like all gung ho but is mellowed just a little bit. Um, and I think he can be that guy. He's now perfect casting for the Star yes. Trek movie. So of course they're not going to make any more. <laughs> yeah, that's how it be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. That's it. I think so. We should get into our movie. Let's do it. Our movie this week is Night of the Hunter, 1955 film directed by Charles Lawton. Uh, it was written by uh, James Aggie, based on the Night of the Hunter, the novel by Davis Grubb. It stars Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters, Lillian Gish, uh, Billy Chapin. Um. Jackson, would you like to tell us what it's about? In the movie The Night of the Hunter, uh, a man named Ben Harper is sent, uh, is like caught by the state troopers, sent to prison because uh, he murdered two men in a bank robbery for ten thousand uh, dollars to secure his children's future. Before the police get to him, uh, he uh, gives it to the kids, hides it in a place that we don't know, and makes them swear never to tell anyone. Uh, while in prison, waiting to be executed, he meets Reverend Harry Powell, uh, who learns about the money, but uh, does not give up where it is hidden. Uh, when Powell gets out, uh, he because he's only in that he is like a weird serial killer, but uh, he's only been arrested for stealing a car. Uh, so Powell gets out after uh, Harper is executed and gets to work, uh, like whiling his way into the town, charming everyone, seducing his widow, um, and trying to convince. Uh, the children, John and Pearl, uh, to reveal where the money is. Uh, Pearl uh, ends up enjoying, like, enjoying uh, Harry Powell's, uh, like, fatherhood. Uh, John never trusts him. Uh, John stands up to him at all times. Uh, he he he, tr- he gets close. Uh, the kids resist. Uh, but but when even the um uh, the the mother Willa is like a bit resistant of him, uh, he kills her. And makes it look like she's run away. So now he has complete access to the children. Uh, that the kids immediately, like you know, he starts stalking them like an actual horror villain, and uh, the kids run away upriver. 
and they're chased by him for a while until they uh, meet uh, a, a lady, Rachel, in another town who, like, runs, uh, it's not quite like an official orphanage, but, like, takes in lost kids. Uh, and uh, when uh, the Reverend Harry Powell comes to her, she uh, does not s- uh, allow him to, like, charm her. She sees through his bullshit and fucking shoots him. <laughs> uh, the state troopers come and arrest him just as they did uh, John's father. And at that moment, uh, John breaks and just kind of, like, uh, you know, tries to get the state troopers off uh, uh, off Harry because it's too traumatic and reminding him of his dad and lets all the money go as he beats him with the... Um, uh, the doll that the money was stored inside. Uh, afterwards, uh, he is like arrested. Um, the town form into like a horrific lynch mob to try to kill him, um, and the police take him to safety. Uh, but then, like this guy who's the minor character who's the executioner is there, like we'll get you soon for like in the in the good way. <laughs> um, and uh, Rachel monologues to camera about the resilience of children who have gone through horrible things as uh we end on christmas day and that's the whole movie that's the best summary i've ever done yeah you know what you nailed it (laughs) nailed it yeah uh so uh i'd seen this movie before jackson's seen this movie before jackson you've not seen this movie before so how did you find this movie I was like, damn, did movies in the 50s look this good? And no, no, no the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't remember movies in the 50s looking this good. <laughs> and then looked up and was like, oh, this is a deliberate throwback to silent films. <laughs> you know, not everything in the 50s was doing ridiculous German expressionism stuff. In fact, this was like a huge stylistic departure of things for trying to move on to like uh, color film. Uh, but no, I was, I was like really shocked with how good this movie was. I loved it. Yeah, um, this is one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. I love yes. it. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I was seeing like some of the notes about like they, they tried to persuade him to shoot it in color. And I'm like, whoa! Could you imagine this movie in color? It'd be a disaster. Absolute <laughs> it disaster. wouldn't work. Nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is one where we're just gonna love on the movie, right? Because we all fucking love this movie. It's fucking great. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah, the, the part where, uh, I don't know why more movies don't just steal from, like, the abstractness of German Expressionism. Uh, like, the bedroom that's, like, the, this weird, like, chapel knoll space and the, the like, uh, basement set. There's just, like, a staircase and a basement framed against the void where he, like, stalks up and down the stairs like a horror movie monster from the, like, 20s. All that stuff is exceptional. Please, yes. more of this. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's It's damn near perfect. There's like a bit where um, they come across a barn that's clearly like a backlit set. Yes, yeah, it's just, it's just the river. black against the uh, the like lit up night sky, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, and then when they're inside the barn, like he's riding on his horse, completely silhouettes uh, in the road across, and it's like, damn, holy shit, yeah. movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's so many good silhouettes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The thing where they wanted to film it on location, he's like, I can't do any things I want to do on location. We can't do that, actually. We don't have the money, and I can't make it look like the way I want it to look. Uh, he was right. It looks so much better. Like, it's very clearly all shot on sets, but, it, you know, the yeah. uh, the artifice is the point. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Excellent looking movie. I I, I did not expect uh, the, the, like, stylistic choices that the movie has made. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's... Uh, it's interesting because, like, 
Robert Mitchum's version of this character, I don't think it'd work in a movie that was any more grounded than it is. Because he no, is cause... like a weird cartoon, right? Like he's 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 <laughs> loud of. and boisterous and like the way he does his like preaching is like outrageous. And it would be very like the the audience is supposed to realize that he's a con man really on, right? And like yes. uh and the uh Rachel under like obviously like pegs him immediately, but you have to be able to believe that everyone else is going to buy it, and the world needs to be a little askew for that to be true. Yes, because all the other characters are also cartoons. Yeah. So it doesn't like feel completely out of place when he comes in and starts doing the like, oh, the love hands losing, the love hands, but what's this? The love hands coming back as he's got like love and hate tattooed in his fingers and is yeah. making like a play of them being like his two hands wrestling each other in front of everyone. Yeah, I mean, like, this is what preaching famously copied and do the right thing. Yep, yep, yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, it's also interesting the way in which like this movie is very frank about like a serial killer who like hunts women out of like very deliberate like hatred of them in a way that like I wouldn't expect out of movies of this era necessarily. Like if you yeah. this is a thirties yeah. and forties movie, I'd be like, you know what? absolutely because i we watch enough noir that like that's a thing but the way it's like coached very bluntly from the start at what it is and what's going on is really surprising to me in a movie from this era um, yeah the sexuality is really overt in a way that i always find surprising no matter how many times i rewatch the movie mm-hmm. like the hatred of sexuality the way that sexuality is discussed really frankly yeah uh it, it always surprises me the way uh, Powell dresses down uh, Willa on like their yeah. uh, like wedding night, where you know she's like, "Oh, you know, we're gonna we're married, we're gonna we're gonna sleep together now," and he's like, "Absolutely not, you don't want kids," uh, and that's what that's what sleeping together is for. Everything else is hateful and sinful. And the way he like gets her to buy into that and it like changes her character radically is so good. It's such a good scene. Uh, Shelley Winters kills it in this movie. It's yeah, like a yeah. really like hard role that doesn't get a lot of like interiority, right? Yes, because like yeah. she dies like kind of halfway through the movie, so she she dies yeah. pretty early. Uh, she's never the central character, but um, the like scene. It's those. It's two scenes, right? It's that one, and then that one leads right into her like publicly denouncing herself as if like slut shaming herself in order to like uh, you know repent for her husband doing murders. Mm. Is like really precise in the way that it like puts all the aim on uh like Powell, right as like this is the ideology with which uh you know the um some people look at women right it is very clear where it is aiming as uh it was more precise than i expected for a movie this era because yeah Um, yeah uh but that was the stuff that i found like uh, like really good in the movie right like i, I think the way the um pal's villainy is like because it's very because it's, it's very like obvious right like he is evil but his evil represents the like failings of society right like very clear uh basic metaphor here um i mean but it, yeah uh william uh, harry powell harry powell is randall flag but like good right right yes 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 <laughs> harry powell is randall flag he is absolutely randall flag as he comes in and like the fact that he can charm people is meant to be like uh reflecting on them but it does that in a way where it's like it, it does not reflect badly on uh willa right that she is seduced by this man it manages no. to navigate the lens of like okay, he represents, like, cultural failings, but not in a way of, like, oh, it's the women's fault for falling for it, right? Like, it never does that. 
it, I mean, the way it draws a really clear line between how Willow falls for him and the way that um, uh, Icy right, right, Ruby falls for right. him. Yes. Is like, oh, so, never mind. Is, is so clear um, because she is immediately charmed in the way that, like, she is also a person who uses, like, you know, like her charm is like way more obviously like cartoon and fake, but she uses it similarly to get what she wants out of people, right? Like she's a bully who uses the fact that she appears as like a nice old lady to get stuff out of people. Yes. Um, and so she immediately like sidles up to Paladin's like, oh, this guy's great. Obviously look at him. He's just like me. Yeah. In in her husband that... is even like, what about, I don't know. Yes. Um, the bit where Walt goes into the cupboard and grabs the, like, brandy or whatever and takes a swig, she's like, that's medicine for when people are ailing, uh, is good. I love that guy. He gets very little to do, but it's all very funny to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's great. Um, but yeah, uh, Destiny, you mentioned Ruby, who's one of the... Yeah, the of, young uh, girl, yeah. that the teenage girl. I thought you were going to bring her up, because she just falls for Powell immediately, but she's very young. Yes. What's interesting is the way that's depicted, like, the movie has a lot of compassion for her. Like, it'd be very easy to be like, ah, she got suckered in in, like, a, you know, last book of Narnia kind of way, right? Like, there's a certain, like, preachier version of, uh, like, Christian moralizing that this movie could very easily do that I think it, like, very carefully sidesteps. Where when she admits this to to Rachel, she's like, oh, well, of course, like, if you've hung around with these, like, dirt bags that hang outside the general store, you're going to fall for this guy with, like, his, like, smooth words and he's a handsome man and, like, he has a power and confidence and that's not on you. Uh, you're like 17 or whatever, however old she is, right? Like, of course she fell for mm-hmm. him. Yes. Yeah, it's really like that scene where she tells her, like, we're all looking for love and yes. it's okay. And she comforts her is like really lovely. Mm-hmm. I can't believe people didn't like this movie when it came out. I mean, I assume it's just because it's so different than what was like the accepted norm for cinema at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it I just... I thought people would appreciate the historical throwback stuff, also, but nope, that the, was not what the fifties was about. Yeah, the, the idea of the idea of like films being in, like interesting because they are different, and like the, the structural ideas of like media criticism were not the same in the culture at the time, right? So, right, it still bothers me. Because, like, you know, we we, uh, we dump on Kyrie de Cinema, but, like, they're the kind of people who made movies like this blow up, right? Like, we can look at movies that uh, have stuff in them that are interesting and good. And, like, what the, the value system of what a movie is changed in the 60s and 70s to, like, make movies like this good to us. Yes. And this is, like, a big... This one's, like, a big Kyrie de Cinema classic, right? Like... like yeah. Uh, Wikipedia was like, it's the, they called it second best movie after Citizen Kane. Yep. Our uh, local art theater, the main location has a huge painting of uh, Harry Powell. Uh, the, in the, the one where he in, leans up against the post at uh, Rachel's big house. Excellent. His, like uh, love hand on the like door, like the gate knob or whatever. It's good. It's so a really just good giving you an idea of the cultural cachet yeah. this movie has. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it, the, the part where uh, this one, it, like we talked about, oh, sometimes the classics are just good. This is one of them. I watched this uh, maybe like 10, 12 years ago, and it was one where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to want to watch, you know, 50, 50s uh, horror movie. Because I've watched like actual hit 50s horror movies, and they're mostly pretty boring and cheesy. Um, <laughs> this feels like, I mean, it did basically fall out of another era. Um Charles Lawton, like watching, uh, like old nitrate prints of silent films, going like, why, why does black and white look so much better back then? <laughs> Big mood. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, have not stopped doing at- this. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Hey, good. Yeah. The, the- oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Though, though, I was gonna say uh, the way I heard about this movie was my local like PBS station used to have a film studies series that they would show and when they talk about 1950s movies they give this movie like a special section about like expressionism and how it like became this later uh classic so that's how i heard of the movie Mm -hmm. and they specifically show the scene where he's chasing the kids in the basement and his shadow looks like frankenstein with his arms out uh and i was like i've got to see this movie um yeah, if uh, if you have not, um, the DP on this movie is uh, Stanley Cortez, who also did Magnificent Ambersons, which is a fraught movie because it was really like cut up by the studio and re-edited, and all the original footage is lost of the stuff that's supposed to be in there. But it is a really beautiful. If you want this applied to like a much more normal melodrama, it's a good Orson Welles movie. It's the thing he made after Citizen Kane. It's really good. Um, I've never seen that. It's good. Yeah, it's I good. Um, I'm sure, like, the original version would be better, but I remember really liking it. It's just, it is just, a, you know, a melodrama about a family, but um, it looks great, and uh, of course it does. <laughs> that didn't surprise me. <laughs> yep. Um, but, um, yeah, that stuff, uh, the thing about this that I like is the way in which uh, Powell ends up becoming, like, a, like, because this movie is set in the 20s, he ends up feeling like a, like a mythologically American evil to me. Um, and that's yes. like where the Randall Flagg come, thing comes from. Yes. Like, he's like, he's like a type of figure that would only exist in, like, a extremely Protestant, but, like, very, like, rural, uh, like, universe that w- is, like, America at the beginning of the 20th century, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, like the version of this character that exists after this point, like, you know, you move forward 20 years and then you get to like your taxi drivers and it's not the same. It's an entirely different aesthetic and sensibility. Oh yeah. And there's something way more menacing. I said this to you last night, but the fact that he's on a horse instead of in a car the whole time yes. just adds to that so much. Yeah. Uh, because after the kids run away and like the moms died, the movie ends up taking on like this, like the abstract fairy tale quality, this entire segment where they seemingly are like on this river day and night for like an endless amount of time. It's probably only like two or three weeks or whatever, but it feels like it could be forever. And like, they just sleep on the boat and then they drift along and like animals watch over them as like, you know, stars twinkle overhead and he follows behind and he ends up growing into like this mythological figure of evil that only gets popped right when uh rachel just fucking shoots him and he starts hollering like like a like crazy guy and running into the barn and like flopping around and uh the way in which he immediately deflates as like a persona is so good yeah the the precision of like because throughout the movie right he starts out um as just like a weird guy conning people, but then grows into this like massive figure, always shot in silhouettes, 
always like talking like he is fucking doing i am inevitable thanos speeches right like yeah uh, uh and then the second someone like stands up to him right like just <laughs> the way he runs to the barn and then kind of like goofily jumps over the fence yeah while well, he's like hooting he's like hooting as he's shot because uh. <laughs> he has nothing right he has no the persona can't work when when it's threatened uh yeah his power relies on everyone like believing in it right uh, yes. which is again a very simple like base you know also the randall flag it's a very simple common metaphor but i think it's done really well here uh mm. Because, you know, all the stuff we talked about earlier, like, that's a, there's a very easy way to, like, use that and frame it in a way that blames the people that fall for it. Um, yeah. But it, instead, it, it's, like... Uh, like, the movie's mostly about how, like, hard everything is and how, yes. um, of course, like, you would listen to a guy who says things to you that are nice, uh, whether yeah. he's telling the truth or not, like, you know, which is what the final monologue's about, is, like, why... Do kids have a better sense of this when uh, we're so like panicked and scared that we can't tell when someone's like fucking us over? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is good because yeah, uh, it is a like all these kids get so messed up by the end of the me- the the scene where um uh the 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 boy uh, John yeah uh like breaks at the end when he sees the state troopers arresting Pal is so good yeah uh, yeah. I like the bit where he doesn't he he can't even bring himself to like uh like point him out at the trial. Like he just can't yeah. do it. No. That actor's really uh well, he's really good. Yeah, like the part like he holds up against everything, like, you know, he's taking care of his, his sister and he's assuming all these responsibilities, like oh, you know, his dad tells him you gotta be the like the man of the house now and he tries that and the way in which it breaks and the way that like Rachel builds it back up in him. Like the way she treats him versus the way she treats like all of the girls is like very much like I need to navigate what it means to be a boy for this kid to grow up and not like yes. resent all this stuff. And I think it's like done with like a lot of compassion and like awareness of how tricky that stuff could be. Like the part Definitely. where the part where she gives him the watch and he's like, Oh, it's a mighty fine watch. She's like, Yeah, you can't go running around with a dirty like a busted watch and uh he nods and just goes up the stairs and that's it. Like that's the same thing as when all the girls like hug her. Um, is good. I think that stuff's really good. Uh yes. yeah. I I love Rachel. She's my favorite character. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there's a um, real like it's one of the lower threads in this movie. There is like a real understanding of like the way in which like the complete repression of like masculinity ends up causing this violence right like uh john tries to be like okay my dad's been killed by the state and it doesn't have like the language of that but uh understands that enough to the point where like at the end of the movie that overrides his like hatred for this like murderous evil man that's been chasing him Mm mm-hmm well, I think uh, it's interesting, like, in the prison, uh, his dad talks about how he robbed the bank because he didn't want any kids to go hungry or whatever. But apparently yes. he never told his wife why he was doing this because she ends up thinking that it's because she nagged him about, like, wanting perfumes and, like, you know, makeup and stuff. Um, right. Like, like the ways of the men, in which like, he wasn't to able to express any of this stuff, I think, is, like, telling. Yeah. Which then, like, plays, to me, plays into, like, the scene where, uh, you know, uh, Harper's, like, lectures... Um, not Harper, uh, Harry Powell lectures uh, Willa uh, in, on her wedding night, right? It's like, 
she accepts that, right? She doesn't like it. She's really, like, broken up about it, but accepts it in a way that's like, how the fuck did the other men talk to her, right? Like, it's a very good scene that understands, like, no, this is, this must be at least within the realm of normal uh, mm-hmm. for how, you know, uh, men talk to their wives in the 50s. Um, like, that, that to me is, like, the critique being made there in that scene. Because mm-hmm. even though uh, Pal's being cartoonish, like, the way she internalizes it uh, is uh, really heartbreaking. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, also, um, the one bit I really like, it's actually just kind of like a, it's not even a huge scene, is where uh, John goes to run away and he goes to uh, Uncle Bertie, who's like just this like drunk who's down by the river or whatever, um, lives in this boat. Like the dock's not used anymore. The river boats don't come to this town anymore because it's depression. And so he just lives there. And he's like, if you're ever in, ever in any trouble, come get me. And the one time John goes to call on him, he's like fall over, fall asleep drunk and can't do anything. Uh, it's really good. Uh, yeah. The amount that John is betrayed by every adult possible until he lands on Rachel's doorstep. Yeah, that scene is heartbreaking to me. Yeah, it's so much worse than like if he like fucked them over, right? Like, yes, yeah, he's just not there anymore. Yep. Yeah, I think John plays it with like the the actor does a really good job of conveying how fucking scary and terrible that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, John's act is excellent. Um, yeah, yeah. Like he has a lot of difficult work to do, um, mm-hmm. and somehow pulls it off. Like you know, because especially with like the tonal shifts in the movie, right? Because like there's scenes in which uh, Pal is like genuinely threatening in a sinister, like shitty father way. And then there's also scenes where, like, he's a silhouetted Frankenstein guy chasing him with big hands up, the, like, in, in shadow up the staircase. Uh, and being able to, like, thread those as the main focus uh, for, like, the emotional content of the movie is, uh, like, a really hard thing to do as, like, a child actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they could have easily gotten just some overacting kid, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Uh, not really. Those are all the main things. Um, I'm very happy we saw it. What a good movie. Yeah. It's really good to rewatch it. There's a thing, there's an interesting thing in here. Um, when he, when, uh, Charles Lawton went to Lillian Gish to get her to do this movie. Like, you know, she's a famous uh, silent film star, like one of the biggest silent film stars. Um, and when he tried to convince her to do it, he's like, you know, people used to go to the movies and sit up uh, in their chairs and pay attention. And now they lean back and eat popcorn and don't care what they're being shown. Uh, and I read that and laughed because I definitely spent like the back half of this movie, like just sitting up like, oh, yeah, this movie's fucking going for it. So I know when I like a movie <laughs> is when I sit forward and I'm watching yes. it. <laughs> But, yeah, you don't look at your phone once. Yeah, but but also that is hilariously like a thing a guy in the fifties movie would say. Yes, yes, absolutely. But sometimes he. I want to make him sit up right. again. Yeah, sometimes uh, yeah. it's true. Sometimes it's just true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, th- if that's it, we'll go to questions. Yeah, we got questions. All right. 
All right. Uh, if you'd like to send us emails about this or any other movie we're covering, you can do that at podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, we have uh, three emails. First one's from Alex. Uh, Alex watched this movie. I thought it was uh, a lot uh, and enjoyed it. But then uh, because uh, it was so heavy, wash it down with the Jackal from 1997 uh, and has questions about that movie. I've never seen that movie. Has anyone here seen the Jackal from 1997? I have not. No. Okay, well, that's a Bruce Willis movie, and the question here is, if you could cast any era Bruce Willis in any movie, what would you put them in? Any era of Bruce Willis in any movie? Yes. Ooh. Okay, well, it's got to be like this. pre-2000, because he just gives up, and he's a bad actor after that. Yep. <laughs> like, um, when was the last time Bruce Willis was in a movie and was, like, actually trying? <laughs> I feel like he had a lot of fun in Death Becomes Her, even though that's not a very good movie. Mm-hmm. So I would put that era of Bruce Willis just about in anything. Um, just let him have fun again. I want I want Die Hard 3 era Bruce Willis in a <laughs> that's movie the era I want with, as well. with late 80s Jackie Chan. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. Because I also want Die Hard 3 Bruce Willis. Like, I don't know, I don't know where, but that's that's the peak Bruce Willis for me. I love Die Hard 3 so much. What a stupid movie. Die Hard 3 is fantastic. It's so yep. good. It's so good. I've never seen it. It's the best oh, Die Hard. We'll have to watch it because, uh, I mean, you don't need to see the others. It's fine. Just, we'll just watch that one. You've seen Die Hard, right? Yes. Okay, that's you enough. Are. You good have enough framing. Yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of knuckle tats would you get if you wanted them? I had an answer for this like two years ago. Now I can't think of anything. Uh, Zeon Ayug. Just Char, but like A's across all the knuckles aside from the last one, which is an R. (laughs) Char. 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 Do 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 do. Uh, can you ever have enough potholders? I assume this is relative to the jackal. I don't know. Uh, they say no, the no, no, no. It's it's a it's re- uh, it's a reference oh, to the Christmas scene yes. where she gets two potholders in a row. <laughs> um, you can never have too many. We have four. It's like I posters. feel like that's enough. I feel like the thing the thing is you have enough if you if you put them back when you're done with them. This is true. They're easy to lose. Yep. Yeah. But you know they wear out. Yeah. Um, if, if, uh, if cops killed your brother, would you pay Bruce Willis money to g- send their government a message? I guess we did not the watch about. the Jackal. Why are all the questions about the Jackal? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd pay I mean, someone other than Bruce Willis. Who would you pay? What action star would you pay to get revenge on your family? Well, Jackie Chan. No, because um, he, like, not if I wanted, like, the revenge to happen, right? Like, he's too... Yeah, he'd fumble. He's fumb- Like, the fumbling is part of the charm. He'd get it done, but, you know, there's too much chaos involved. I think, I, I think I'm But I, think I I'm would hiring, be so I charmed. John Reno from uh, The Professional. That's a good one. Oh, he would get it done. I've only seen clips of The Professional. I bet I'd love The Professional. You should fucking watch The Professional. <laughs> it's, it's excellent. I feel like that's like an extremely Jackson Cole movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is that is an entirely a movie about people being sad in empty rooms. You'll love it. Yo! Um, Stove writes in, uh, I would decide to look at what the highest grossing movie in 1955 was, given that this movie was such a failure. It was Cinerama Holiday, which is a travel documentary about an American couple traveling in Europe and a European couple, couple traveling in the States, featuring mostly point of view shots. Uh, I want them to sit up straight again. <laughs> yes. 
I want them to sit up straight again. <laughs> um, question Stove had. What were your favorite shots in the movie? The underwater body shot of uh, Shelly Winters as the fish hook comes down. Um, I think good. I like the shot uh, specifically of Powell standing out under the streetlight the first time that John sees him. That one's a really good it- shot. Oh, it's just a man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so many good ones in this movie. The scene where they use it on Wikipedia as an example of the lighting, where, where Rachel's like completely in shadow, and then you see Powell out in the light, kind of menacing. Yes. Uh, that one's good because it has to, like, usually these shots are like uh, one shot, right? Um,. And they're like one image that is very striking. And so they use this one moment to like kind of mess with that. She comes in with the light and the light uh, overexposes the view of him. And then when the when she get, gets rid of the light, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a really well done moment. Um, yeah, I might choose that one. I might choose the one in the barn with him and the horse. There's there's, there's a bunch. But yeah, any, any time it's doing German expressionism, basically. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm a sucker for it. I need to watch more movies from that era. Um, why does no one mention Night of the Hunter when they talk about best Christmas movies? I honestly always forget it ends at Christmas. That's part of it. Me too. I think that's. I think it's just underseen. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, film wants to establish a contrast between uh, Powell and Rachel. Does it fully work for you now? Uh, for example, like in the introduction of Rachel, you see her spank John. I think that works given that like you have to watch movies in their context, right? Like, yes, her doing that is like not a thing that you would see that character do now in like a positive light, but it is how this character would express for like upfront direct care in a way that none of the adults in this movie are doing. And also, they're both like. Like, she's the actual Christian who's, like, living by the Bible and doing Christian things. Yeah. And that's just, like, the old-fashioned Christian way of raising children. Like, the, movie, the movie's really clear about her being, like, a, a kind, like, a loving hard-ass, right? Like, she's going to, like, make sure these kids are raised right. And it's going to, like, they won't, they may, sometimes they're going to be really pissed off at her because she's, like, too hard on them, according to them. But, like, she's going to do her best. And, like, that's genuine in the text of the movie. Like, she is actually doing her best with, like, a bunch of kids she has adopted, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it works. Like, I, I like the scene. It's very, very corny. Um, yes. But I, I like the scene where they, like, she starts singing with him. Uh, as, like, you know, he is, like, this vision of this weird, like, perverse use of uh, the cultural cachet of Christianity in order to gain trust and uh, mm-hmm. exploit people. Uh, and the movie, like, ends this way, right, to uh, reestablish the idea of, like, what a, uh, like, moral Christianity can look like. Because if this wasn't in the movie, this movie would have been, like, completely banned, right? Like, versus calling the church yes. evil. Yes. Um, yeah, that's true. Which, you know, we can all have our takes on that one. Uh, but I think in the context of, you know, movie from the 50s, I do, re- I think the... Uh, Rachel works like um, way better than she could. I think it's like really well thoughtfully done, which is uh, my take on most of this movie. Like it's um, it navigates that well. Yeah. Uh, with the love and hate tattoos uh, getting more well known in the movie itself, what other things were you introduced through through parodies and references, but didn't realize until you were watching it? Hmm. There are good examples of this, but I, I don't. I, I it's it's out of my I head. I always have that. Like Cape Fear was a big one because I saw that Simpsons episode. And then I saw Cape Fear, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> I, I I have I have my Simpsons one. It's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
You can share anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna share. It's a good. It's a big one. Uh, it is uh, JFK's actual voice. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> i just heard that could be and then i eventually like 10 years later how jfk was like oh he's do- oh he's oh okay that's like a voice that okay <laughs> that's, that's adorable that's, that's very funny um the one i always think of when this comes up is the the singing sword in roger rabbit uh because i didn't i wasn't like aware of like crooners when i saw roger rabbit i saw roger rabbit as a very young child um and i always think of that specifically oh peter Lorre in bugs bunny cartoons yes, yes. the fact that peter Lorre is in like half of every warner brothers cartoon for no good reason <laughs> they just love that face yeah. and that voice yeah uh finding out that uh brain was just uh orson welles also very wild to me same what? and then like all the brain mr science theater the brain is Mason just an orson welles Duh. impersonation I, I okay oh i thought you meant actual orson welles sorry no no, no. <laughs> I was like, brains, awesome worlds coming in to be like, and this is what we do every night, Pinky. <laughs> no, but like, I didn't know who Orson Welles was until my 20s. So, yeah, I have a lot of those just because I watched so much TV as a kid. I have so many of those. Yeah, I guess Simpsons is the big one for me for like the ways that happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any more questions? Uh, yeah, we've got a couple questions from Tron. I think we answered most of these. Who's your favorite character in the movie? Pick one. You got Rachel. Pick one. John. Um, I oh, think I'm going to go with Willa. I think Willa's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. She does an amazing... Shelly Winters is just, don't sleep on her. Please watch Patch of Blue and... Uh, is it From Here to Eternity? The movie where she's sad and she gets murdered in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoilers, yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it possible to think about Rachel Cooper talking about the children abiding without thinking about the Le- Big Lebowski? Slightly rewording this question. No, I absolutely thought about the I'm like, oh, this is... I thought about the Big Lebowski. The dude also I... abides. You think the dude's a big fan of Night of the Hunter? Probably, right? He Probably. loves it. He has a white Russian and he watches it every year. Yeah. I mean, I he's, he's definitely a guy who's like, oh, what's on TCM? Just like the way Destiny does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Destiny, you're basically the big Lebowski. <laughs> a little bit. I have a rug that I'm fond of. Mm-hmm. Yes. It does tie the rug together. Big Lebowski, oh. I didn't think of Big Lebowski. I haven't seen it in ages. I don't think of that movie much. But, it, you know, it is what it is. The dude abides. I have a big soft spot for it. No, I, I know. I've seen it. It's not like I don't have the references in my head, right? They just don't come to me very often. Okay. Mm. Um, and then, uh, trying to ask a question about John being traumatized, but I feel like we already answered it, but I think it's like worth pointing out the way in which this movie does, like this kid is seen enough and eventually breaks. Like if you compare this to like the last 10 minutes of psycho, which we brought up again, which just walks, like someone walks in the room and gives you like a pamphlet on like 1960s psychology and it fucking sucks. This movie is so much better about that stuff. It is amazingly better. And I think it's because the people behind it understand people better Mm -hmm. there's just something about like if you read about the production of this movie the ways that like not just lawton but like everyone involved in the writing and the cinematography just were thoughtful Mm -hmm. it really like adds the impression that uh, th- that's the impression that i get anyway that they just understand people better than your average movie makers uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. I, I like all the John stuff. Um, 
<laughs> imagining this movie with the psycho ending is very funny. Like, ah, oh. <laughs> guy comes in and goes, ah, oh. yes. You see, uh, uh, he doesn't actually uh, like Harry Powell. Uh, he's just uh, traumatized about his father. Uh, that was that you saw ninety minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's it. That's it again. Podcast at normalmapping.com. Next time we are watching Putney Swope. Yeah, uh, which is the nineteen sixty nine Robert Downey Senior movie. Um, I'm really fucking excited. To I haven't seen this movie in a couple of years. It's fantastic. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, this is one of those you're gonna be like, I didn't realize these things were references to Putney Swope. Um, depending on what movies you've seen, but we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, it's on Criterion. You can get it in the way all fine movies are gotten because uh, it's on Criterion. Thank you, Criterion, for making things available because nerds will put your movies on torrents when you're released in the collection. <laughs> yep. The if you pay for Night Flight Plus, which I'm the only person that does, uh, it's also the on there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think anyone listening to this would know what Night Flight is, probably. Maybe I Casey, expl- Casey it, listens it was, to this. Casey, you probably know what Night Flight is. You seem like the type. Yeah, it, it's just a cool thing. That's all it is. It was a cool TV thing, and then they turned it into a streaming service. Um. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with that. Until then, Destiny Plugs! At Fridge Buzz Now, pretty much everywhere. And then my other podcast can be found at abnormalmapping.com slash badlandgirls. Jackson. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. There's a bunch of cool ones there. Uh, we just did an abnormal mapping on Suikoden, and we're going to continue with the year of JRPGs next year. It's going to be good. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore Bing. If you'd like to support this and all of our podcasts, you can do that at patreon.com slash mapping. For $1, you get Gundam. We're watching Gundam X and Ghost Shell Standalone Complex, second gig. That's the second season. We are spoiled on some good anime right now. So if you want to get in, we're doing that with our friend Austin. It's a good time. Uh, the podcasts have been great. Um, other than that, uh, we'll see you in two weeks. So please remember, movies, now more than don't, ever. Don't expect to like them. I forget the other bit. God damn it. I fucked it up. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Bye.